Welcome into the podcast, everybody. Pete Forsey, episode 93 of the podcast. We appreciate all of you loyal listeners. It's a beautiful August hot day. It's actually cooling down overall. It's not as bad as a few weeks ago, but still yet another perfect day in our work week to fire up the laptop, get our microphone, and talk NFL football, Major League Baseball. That's what we do here on the podcast for all you new listeners. We got training camp going on. We had the MLB trade deadline. We also had some takes on Twitter on whether Travis Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. He's not my book, so we're going to talk about all that. It's episode 93, again, of the podcast. There's really not that much to talk on when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Everybody's in alignment. I don't like when the media comes out and pretends that there's a huge corner of people that are defending Deshaun Watson. No, you're looking at Twitter trolls, people with three followers and no picture, and are just looking to stir things up. And then you create that as content and deliver it out to the public. If you do have that huge platform, like on a major network, ESPN, Fox Sports, or even if you're... Barstool, or another, uh, uh, Pat McAfee, not saying that these are the people that did it necessarily, but I saw plenty of it out there as far as the national uh, sector. They're acting like people are defending them. No, they're not. Everybody thinks this guy should be suspended more than six games, and guess what? He will. He will. He's likely going to get the full season. Goodell appealed the suspension. He's handing off to a former... New Jersey uh, general attorney, I think it is, he's going to suspend him for at least 12 games or likely the full season. And you just have to respect the process. It comes out on Monday that all this just backlash and people are so mad at the NFL. The NFL didn't hand down the suspension. Why are people mad at the NFL? They fought for the full year from the beginning. The process is you go to neutral arbitration. Sue Robinson had to work within the guidelines that the NFL gave him from their previous CBA. So yes, it worked against the NFL in that way. But the players bargained for that six-game suspension. So it's not the only finger to be pointing is towards the NFL if you are amongst that crowd. It's also the players. They put that in the CBA. And they don't want Goodell making decisions on this because they didn't think it was consistent. They think there's biases if you're a Patriots player or if you're a Jaguars player or if you have a history in calling them out, like that's going to play a factor if you do end up uh, having a case against you with one of these. So it's real simple. He's going to get a long suspension. The NFL is not about this. They were not going to not appeal because they risked Deshaun Watson being on the field week one. The NFLPA put out that statement on Sunday because they – wanted to make sure that they didn't have to defend this guy in federal court. They were saying, please, please, don't make us do this. Don't make us be under his directive. But they'll have to. That's their obligation as being Players Association and him being in their league. So we'll see how far Deshaun takes it. My guess is he probably will not go to federal court. PA is going to strongly advise against this and just say, hey, take the suspension. You had the money. It's, It's not a complicated thing. It's a sad thing. I get it. But once you take a deep breath, the process played out, and here we are, and we're going to get the guy suspended for a long, long time. 
as far as the Miami Dolphins, it's funny because you would think this would happen more often. Apparently, they were courting Tom Brady in his final year in New England, and then after the 2021 season, most recently, to come to Miami, be an executive, play part uh, part time or not play part time, be a part time owner and also play quarterback for them. And then they also were talking to Sean Payton. With the accessibility, with phones and just shooting over a text message and getting someone's number, you would think this would crop up more. And with the penalty that was just put down, one first-round pick, a third-round pick the year after, it's like, hmm, maybe you do see more coaches or executives firing over text messages to pending free agents and saying, hey, we got our eye on you. Just have your agent be in touch with us. Or even if it's a team that has a, a stacked wide receiver room or even an established quarterback and they and they text another guy like, hey, it doesn't look good, but just know, I know our roster's weird right now, but just know we got our eye on you. I would feel like that's just going to happen more now after you see this. Like, well, what's the harm? You know, I, I, I am not one to get mad at the NFL for not having their priorities straight. I know all the memes came out with the Dolphins and Deshaun and then Calvin Ridley, and people are getting pissed about that. Everything's relative. Context is different, whether it's integrity of the game, whether it's competitive balance, whether it's violence against women. Like, you can't compare those things. That's great for the internet, but it's incomparable. You got to take things by a case-by-case basis, always, always. The Dolphins... I would have thrown the hammer down more. Like, this should have been like a three first-round pick thing. Four, you kind of get into a situation where then the franchise is irrelevant, possibly. Especially a place like Miami where they don't know how to draft all that well. I guess this Greer guy's been okay. But in totality, they really haven't been that great of a team because their drafting overall hasn't been great. You take, a, you take out four first-round picks, they might just become downtrodden they, they would become irrelevant it would not be good for the league so I would have thrown it down at three first round picks fine five million I mean it was 1.5 million like that's just not enough and the Stephen Ross guy you know he'll I, credit to him he's gonna do anything to win even if it means bending the rules a little bit it's almost like Miami Hurricanes of the 80s and early 2000s he's not a good owner because he obviously makes Mistake after mistake after mistake with head coaches, whether it's hiring them or firing them. But he's got this Bruce Beal guy who I guess is a Michigan man just like him. Obviously, Brady went to Michigan, and it appears that Ross is probably going to exit. And then this Bruce Beal guy is going to be the majority partner. And maybe next year, Tom Brady's going to be an owner, possibly player, the Miami Dolphins. So it almost feels like a different week, even though it's just on Tuesday. A lot of it happening on August 1st. Juan Soto will start there. Padres, they got a lot better. It wasn't just the splashy move with Soto. They got Brandon Drury, who's had a revival in Cincinnati. Josh Bell also came with with Juan Soto. Josh Hader also came to, to help out in the bullpen. And you got all those starters. A few of them are going to be free agents, so that'll be something to take a look at, especially with them dealing that uh, uh, Adrian Moran kid, or no, uh, uh, Mackenzie Gore. Padres dealt him to Washington for Juan Soto. So this is the year. They're going all in. It's not that it's going to, you know, uh, the floor is going to give out next year, but the Padres definitely went all in on 2022, and they're probably not even going to win the NL West. So I think they're going to be very good. They're going to be 
as big of a threat as anyone, but you have to win that wild card game. You have to win it. And we know it's a coin flip. We know baseball is just a weird game in that way. So there's no guarantees. But if they get that wild card W, you know, watch out. Watch out. Um, and, you know, with this year, obviously, it's the three-game series, so it's different. But even in a three-game series, you know, we know it's similar to one game. It's not quite the same, but, man, weird things can happen. A five-game a five series is a lot different than a one-game winner-go-home or even a three-game. So San Diego definitely got a lot better. And international scouting, they're best in the biz outside of Los Angeles. And then the sneaky good ones, St. Louis Cardinals. Pair of left-handed pitchers fortified the rotation. They needed an improvement in the rotation. Last year, it was just, hey, let's just make sure this doesn't collapse to an embarrassment. Actually ended up being pretty good, along with that 17-game win streak. But this is going to be an improvement. They just need to be who they are, because that's going to be a huge, huge uh, development where you don't have to have Palante. He can go to the bullpen. And then the Minnesota Twins, AL Central. They're a sneaky good franchise. Got Michael Fulmer, Tyler Male. They, they're in first place already with the White Sox kind of just spinning their wheels. Another good team that had a deadline along with Philadelphia in the National League. Dave Dombrowski, he's always known to sign the big free agent, but he did his work here getting Brandon Marsh with Los Angeles. Very weird trade if you're the Angels. And then they got Noah Syndergaard as well. And then, of course, their bullpen is always shaky. They went ahead and got David Robertson, brought him back after he blew up in Philadelphia, but he's having a great year with the Cubs. So trade deadline is always a lot of fun. Biggest head-scratcher, the Mets. Darren Ruff gave up three pitchers and J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis just hit a home run off Kershaw, who's hurt again. That was the strangest of them all, along with that Brandon Marsh one. I, I didn't quite understand it. Whit Merrifield, I used to say, with the Royals, he is more useful invaluable to them than any other team. That's why in 2019 should not have gotten rid of him. Now is the time. Now is the time. Get him on a postseason team, recoup some value, got a pair. I think one of them was a pitcher, two players, right move by Kansas City. I really thought they were going to be better this year, and their pitching's okay. Um, Still promising as far as their talent, but they got to get the results if they're ever going to compete in the AL Central, which, you know, Guardians, they continue to get good. Um, They got young guys. It's going to be a great second half. I think much like last year, the teams that needed to improve did. The ones that are not out there and and in the race, they wove the white flag and uh, they'll be moving on to 2023. Okay, so I think it was last week this time I put it out there. Travis Kelsey's not a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer at the tight end position. The guy's not a tight end. Everybody started coming at me. Sixth in yards, eighth in touchdowns, all time. Uh, 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 games play. Y- you can give me all the counting stats that you want. I watch every Chiefs game. I have for the past six years, basically the entirety of his career. It is a deliberate effort from Andy Reid and the offense to not have him on the line of scrimmage. He's not a good blocker. And you know what? That's smart on their move. Don't let someone do something they're not good at. You know what he is really good at? Catching the football and running with it after the catch and ending up in the end zone. He's pretty damn good at that. I never disputed that. But what it does lead to, and I don't know why no one else says this, because it's just fact. He doesn't play the tight end position like Rob Gronkowski does and George Kittle and Ozzie Newsome, Shannon Sharp, Kellen Winslow, 
every guy, one of those guys, except for Gronk, who's going to be, and probably Kittle too, all those other guys are Hall of Famers. They did other things. They blocked. It's a huge deal. It's a willing blocker thing. Not only that, they actually shed defenders. They beat them at the line of scrimmage. Even when they are um, extended out wide, they beat them, which I watched Travis Kelsey. Again, he's phenomenal. He doesn't, he doesn't shed defenders. Every replay I watch, the guy is wide-ass open because the play schemed him open. It's not because he is good at uh, 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 adjusting on the site and even just his, uh, his footwork. That's not any good. It's okay. And in combination with his great yak ability and his ability to uh, have great vision after the catch, he's a great player. But you know what he is? He's a wide receiver. He is not a tight end. I've seen that position from Rob Gronkowski for, uh, I guess it's going on 12 years. We won't see it this year. He's retired. But that guy was an animal. He had guys sticking to him, and he was coming down with catches. You, you never see any of those types of plays with Travis Kelsey. The guy's a phenomenal player. George Kittle, ferocious blocker. He's basically another uh, tackle at the line of scrimmage. He even says he doesn't care about catching passes. He has a blast run blocking. Travis Kelsey, never do you see that on the goal line. Him getting down and dirty with a defensive lineman. The guy's not a Hall of Famer at the tight end position. Is he a heck of a player? Yes. Why do you think the Chiefs actually want to do that? Why do they label him as a tight end? So they can pay him less. Why do you think he redid his contract? That's exactly what prompted me to tweet this. $24 million, $25 million. That's the going rate for a wide receiver. They don't want to label him as that. They say he's a tight end to pay him less. Travis Kelsey, not my Hall of Fame. A few things coming out of training camp. Matthew Stafford has tendonitis in his elbow, which, you know, when he got that in training camp, that is a bit of a red flag for me. They're obviously going to monitor it, but, you know, if, if your elbow is bothering you in July, why the hell is it not going to bother you in November, December, January? Biggest games of the year, so... Yeah, definitely something to monitor, as Ian Rappaport said it. And then Bill Belichick was asked about fantasy football and predictably said, yeah, I don't give a shit. It was to a young reporter, so he was giving it the gentle version, but I just cannot imagine if a seasoned reporter had asked that, if he may have just walked out of the practice field, uh, press conference area. That was funny. And then Deontay Johnson, he signs up for 18 mil a year with Pittsburgh. Great Pittsburgh move, and it makes me think Claypool, Deontay Johnson, need to get a tight end in there. Offensive line's not going to be any good. Um, and I know they just got Kenny Pickett, but, like, I like Jimmy Garoppolo with that team. Like, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, you're easily the worst quarterback situation in your division. Jimmy Garoppolo would be a huge upgrade. I Again, they reached with Kenny Pickett, so they obviously invested at this point, so they want to give him a shot, but... I don't know yet. The better players out there. Why not try and get them once the 49ers release them? Which, the guy looks good. He's got great mechanics, big, strong athlete. Jimmy Garoppolo is the most underrated player in the NFL. On the Chiefs side of things, um, MVS dropping passes from Mahomes. It's going to be a big year for quarterbacks making $40 million. Lamar, he's going to be at some point. He's not there yet. 
Uh, he's on the French, or uh, he's on his fifth-year option, which is close to that forty million mark. But these these quarterbacks that you know have that mark now, you're you're seeing that it's just like, hey, you you got to carry the mail here. Odell's not on the Rams. They let go of of Robert Woods. They have Cooper Cup, obviously, but like Stafford's making forty. Aaron Rodgers is making four. He's making fifty, and then you got Dak Prescott. Like you're expected when you make that money, like we got to shed salary elsewhere. If you're worth all this money, you're going to make wine out of water. So it's a big year for those players. And Kyler, his contract is still on his rookie deal. So his 40 will kick in later. Soon they're not going to be able to afford everyone. They got Hollywood Brown. They got Rondell Moore. Um, they, they have DeAndre Hopkins. It's... It's a thing like you, everybody wants to pay these quarterbacks, but then you got to shed salary salary elsewhere, and that forty million dollar man's got to play like a forty million dollar man. So, uh, NFL season's around the corner. We got the Hall of Fame game coming up tonight with the Raiders. Um, I think it's I don't even know who it is. I think it's the Packers, but I know the Raiders are playing, and it's going to be a lot of fun just to see a football game. It's going to be an awful game. The 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 uh, uh, the bad penalties, the false starts. Um, there's always footballs like bouncing off receiver, uh, receivers' chest plates, popping up, <laughs> middle of the sky interceptions. It's always the worst game you can imagine, but always watch it, always tune in for a few minutes because it's actual football, and I cannot wait for football to be back. That'll do it, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Tell your friends about the show. NFL is going to be in full swing again. We're on every platform where you can listen to a podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Amazon. Let them know, share, subscribe, send a review, five stars preferably. But if you don't want to give a five star, tell me why, because I want to make this yours. 816-226-7483, is the hotline, it's the text line. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.